To the Heathens Got to Life, a show with this opinionated jerk and his little brother. Give our take on how to live your best life. I am Kay Evan Martin. What's up, world? I'm Kayla Sean. Hey, folks, thanks for tuning in. You are in for a very interesting ride. The word heathen in this universe called the Heathens Got to Life is actually an endearing term. A heathen is simply someone who lives their life unapologetically according to a belief system and a code of conduct that works for and makes sense to them, irrespective of what others might think or feel. Make sure you check us out on our website, theheathensguide.com, for your one-stop shop to all things heathen. You can find the full archive of our show, as well as our line of t-shirts and sweatshirts. And those titles are Heathen, our signature, Curate Your Squad, Live Unapologetically, Love Unapologetically, and my personal favorite, Fuck Boys Will Be Fuck Boys. Ain't that the truth. You can also connect with us on Mixcloud, Soundcloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. So search for The Heathen's Guide to Life and follow and subscribe. And most importantly, leave a comment and share with your network. Marmy. Hi, bro. Hi. <laughs> What's going on with your world this week? Um, you know, it's been... Wait, I have to put on my sunglasses. It's very, oh, gosh. very sunny in here, actually. Spring <sighs> is in the air. <laughs> I've just been enjoying this wonderful weather. Um, it's been a little crazy. You know, we had that crazy shooting, which is... Um, I had the un- unfortunate pleasure of seeing a video of this guy doing very, very evil things. Oh, that shooting in New Zealand? Yeah. Yeah, that was a couple of weeks ago. I, it's, 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 <clears throat> mm, I just don't have the strength for white people anymore. I haven't even got, I, it's been hard to get the uh, the images of that out of my head. Oh. You know, and I'm like, ugh, why? Oh yeah, because he live streamed part yeah. of it, right? Yeah, we're like, oh, what's this? Then <laughs> yeah. it just kind of just happened. So, um, yeah, but you guys live in the future, so that's, like, old news for all of you guys. But we're still mourning the deaths of 49 people. Right. So, uh, that happened, and that's, you know, that's been, like, that's it. Nothing else. Mm. Well, I had a good week. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Can we, like, yeah. Let's start start on a more positive note. (laughs) Well, I just got back from Guadalupe with my friend and sister, Marcy. And I still don't know how to do it myself. I'm just still elated and happy. We were there for six days and five nights. And once you cancel out our travel days, we have four full days in Guadeloupe full of fun and sun. Um, it's a French-speaking island, so communicating with folks can be a bit challenging, but that's what Google Translate is for. Oh. But what really matters is that I had some good quality time with one of my, with one of my best friends, um, and it was great. And we're tanned. <laughs> The other thing that happened is before the trip, um, I finally got on prep um, after months and months and months of being like averse to it. So I went to the spot to get it and, um, you know, did all the blood work and everything. And then I had my appointments actually get my to get my prescription. And then when I went, um, the place said they didn't take my insurance. So I'm like, okay. So then um, my friend works there and said, why don't you just get tested again? I was like, okay, sure. Fine. Why not? So the highlight of that wasn't prep, it wasn't getting tested. It was that the woman who administered my HIV test 
um, said, you know, yeah, people say that you only live once. She was like, no, you live every day. You live over and over and over again. You only die once. And I was like, her saying that, like, literally, like, made my whole life pivot. Um, because you actually do get to live a different life every day. And although, yeah, like, we do have one continuous life, each and every day is a, is, is, is a chance to transform, to start over, to all that. So you really live multiple lives all the time, but you only die once. So every like, day is a new day. Every day is a new day and a new life. Mm -hmm. So her saying that, like, just... Alt it's, it just resonated in like really profound ways. So that was a real highlight, um, but doesn't trump my tan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's really all I got. I want to. Um, we have another. We have another special guest this week, so I want to jump in to yeah. talk to our guest. But Kamar, do you have anything else that you would like to say besides mourning the dead people in New Zealand? Uh, nope. All right, so let's jump right in. This week on The Heathen's Guide to Life, we're going to talk with our special guest, Rose Mosley. Hi, Rose. Hello, Hi, hello, Rose. hello. Rose's specialty is real estate, and um, we have a lot of ground to cover, so welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm loving this. I'm loving the energy in the studio All right, right now. now. I'm so thrilled to have you. Rose calls her... Um, her followers, the people that she teaches, her rosebuds. My rosebuds. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be her rosebuds for the day and really, pick, right. and really pick her brain because, um, you know, like a lot of people, real estate seems like such, um, a, not a foreign concept, but it seems so unattainable to me. And Rose has a lot of insight as to how real estate, home ownership, property ownership is much more attainable than we might think. Mm -hmm. So let's kind of start off with getting, with getting to know a bit about you, Rose. So... Give us a bit about like yourself and your upbringing. Okay, um, I'm born and raised Camden, New Jersey, mm. the hood of all hoods. So she hood, man. Listen, <laughs> the hood of all hoods, really. Okay, um, you know, and uh, I got into real estate at the age of 19. I actually, yeah, 19. I graduated high school in '97, and I got my first real estate license in '98, and I had my first investment property when I was 21. So that's kind of like the education, the real estate background. But I went to Camden High School, you know, was mixed, was the oddball in school because our school was predominantly, you were either African-American or you were either like Spanish-Spanish, like barely spoke English-Spanish. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm mixed, so it was weird, you know, growing up in that environment. So I found my exit strategy was always humor. So a lot of my friends tell me I should be a stand-up comedian, even to this day. So a lot of people don't know that side of me, but I'm really funny. So I don't know that side of you yet. It, I yeah, love it. I'm, I'm like to the sky funny, like belly aching funny. <laughs> it, it's, it, but it's more situational comedy, like yeah. things unfold. And then I'm like, well, blah, 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 blah. You know, they're like. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> but that's like a funny side of me. Um, I'm super adventurous. Uh, you know, at one point in my life, I was more, I'm super serious too. That's, mm -hmm. that's a funny thing about me. I'm very serious, but I don't take myself serious a lot mm -hmm. at mm -hmm. the same token. It, I guess the serious side comes more for work because I've been a business person or business minded for longer than, there was one point I was in business longer than I was an actual adult, mm -hmm. if you, if you understand. But so, I mean, you know, I just try to like make light heart of everything because as you mentioned, life is how you live it every day yeah. you know you have an opportunity to wake up you could do something totally different than you did yesterday and such so that's kind of me in a nutshell i don't take a lot of things 
serious, but I am in a serious industry at the same time. I so. So you started off, you said you started off with your first real estate license. So I take it that you started off as a broker. Well, I have an agent's, an agent's license. That's how you start out first. Mm -hmm. um, but my first license is in Pennsylvania and I'm also licensed in New Jersey. So licensed when I said first, what? licensed to sell and transact real estate transactions. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so what attracted you? So you graduated high school and then a year later you had your license. What attracted you to real estate in particular? So it was pretty interesting. Um, I did a year of college and I was like, this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. So then I went back home and um, my mom's church, this guy was like, had, had all these fancy cars and, you know, parked in a church parking lot. And I'm like, is that the pastor? She's like, no, that's not the pastor's car. That's somebody that goes to the church. I was like, really? So I said, I want to know what he does. And my mom was like, well, if you come to church, then, you know, you know, all that. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'll come to church. So then I went to church and I'm like, um, well, you know, I asked him. My mom introduced me to this gentleman. I'll never forget. His name is Ron, Ronald McCoy. I don't know where he is today, but if you're listening to this fabulous show, hopefully you'll reach out to me. But anyways, so um, I asked him what he did. He was like, well, I'm in construction. I do real estate. I'm this, I'm that. And he was an older black man. And that was the first, like, introduction that I had to, like, real estate and entrepreneurship. Like, my mother... They rented for a while. Then my mother bought her first home. I remember my mom and my dad buying a house. Mm -hmm. But that was kind of it. Like, I didn't really have too much exposure to real estate per se. Mm -hmm. But um, this gentleman, that was his industry. So then he goes, listen. He was like, you seem really um, interested. What I'll do, if I sponsor you to go to real estate school, would you would you go? And I was like, absolutely. Oh, shit. So my mom is like, so he asked my mom. He's like, hey, can I pay for your daughter's tuition to go to real estate school? She's like, yes, because I had just did a year of college. I'm coming home like, now what with my life? Mm -hmm. And uh, he paid for me to go to real estate school. He sponsored me to go. And then next thing you know, I passed. And I was just in real estate ever since. I love it. That's really that's really a, the crust of it. So you so it was more like opportunity and not necessarily like you're, you were interested. You just learned your interest after you got exposed to it. Right. And then as I learned about what it was through the schooling, I'm like, I could totally do this. Yeah. This is this is me all day. I'm a talker. I'm, I pay attention. You know, I'm being a com you know having a, like a comedic background. You always like putting things together anyway. So mm -hmm. I don't know if that helped. You know, just me being funny, but it helped me like look at things and put things together and people together, opportunities and such. And that's kind of it. Then it just my hunger just kept getting more. Now I wanted to do deals. Now I wanted to own property. You know, mm -hmm. just go from selling it. To wanting to own it, I always find that what that however you can lend your natural personality to your profession is like is is helps to make you successful because it makes your work more effortless. It makes it more kind of natural, yeah. natural extension of who you are. So yeah, I get that. Um, are you more on the commercial real estate side or more on like the personal individual like kind of? You know, I do both. Ownership. I do okay. both. When I first got into Newark, I was VP of a small boutique uh, insurance realty group. Mm -hmm. And I was VP of more of the residential division, but I also did a lot of commercial transactions there as well. Um, so one of my most recent notable transactions were two. I just sold two mansions in Lincoln's, Lincoln Park. Oh. Mm -hmm. the, like, they were just these mega mansions. They're yeah. right there right now. Yeah. And I sold those um, oh. last year, as a matter of fact. I okay. sold both of them. It was like... For the set, 1.2 million cash. Nice. And then that's a nice. That's a nice little commission. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I've done commercial deals like that. Um, I've done commercial leasing, where you know, tenants paying out 10-year lease terms and mm -hmm. things like that. 
Um, yeah, so both, really both. I mean, at some point in this industry, you tend to touch a little bit on everything. So, so I've always known renting. You know, I grew up um, in a in a, um, a three family home. My parents always rented. I'm a renter now. Um, although I've always known people that own their homes, I've been much more exposed to renting, and it seems like it's a less committal. You, know, you hear about people that have war stories about about owning their home when you have to pay for everything mm-hmm, and whatever mm-hmm. happens, you're on the hook for it and all that. Mm-hmm. So that always seems that that has always seemed daunting to me. So can you talk to us about like the benefits of home ownership versus just simply renting? Right. So some of the benefits of home ownership versus renting. You have the opportunity to write more things off. Like there's different tax shelters. So like from the tax revenues and such, it's a little bit different Mm -hmm. because you buy appliances, they depreciate in value. So you get credits for that with the taxes. You have rental income. You can offset it with extra expenses that you had to take on. Having your office at your home, now your home is a part of your write-off. The expenses around your house are part of your write-off. Your cell phone is a part of your write-off. There's all these things that you're doing to conduct business, your mileage, your gas, tolls. They all become some portion of an expense to conduct and transact real estate, even if you just own one piece of property. And you're saying that if I'm just a residential homeowner versus... Yeah, residential homeowner. So more multifamily homeowner. Mm -hmm. But if you live there and it's just you, like a single family house, you still get tax shelters and tax benefits Mm -hmm. also. Um, Maybe not to the extent of maybe like cell phone or, or tolls, but... There's still around the house things that you can write off that coincide that you wouldn't have that advantage with with renting. Additionally, owning helps build credit, helps build equity, helps build wealth. So renting, you're just allowing someone else to collect those funds and you're not really getting a lot for it. A lot of times you're not even getting the rec- the credit um, positive credit flow because it's rare that they'll report your rental history on your credit. So you don't really get, it's like a vacuum of money you're spending that you don't really, what is a value in that at some point, you know, you don't get credit on your monthly credit. That's like, Oh, I paid on time, you know, and it's one of your largest debts. If you you will agree. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So having a mortgage, at least is reporting on your credit Mm -hmm. as you pay that mortgage. It's strengthening your credit. It's getting stronger. Additionally, like I said, when you're renting, you don't own that space, so you're not adding value to anything. Mm-hmm. On a mortgage, you're constantly paying the mortgage down. And if the area is increasing, like in Newark specifically, now you're getting this back-end value on the house because prices are going up, the values of properties are going up. So now you may have gotten a house two years ago, let's say, and there was like 3% equity on it. It could feasibly be today that you may have 20, 25%, 30% equity in that house. So that sounds like Aramaic to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear the word equity a lot with mm-hmm. regard to home ownership. What does equity mean? Yeah, equity is the difference between what you owe and what the property is worth. What you owe and what the what property is worth. What you owe. So you may have a $200,000 mortgage, mm-hmm. and maybe because you did some repairs and made the bathroom nicer, you got a, a gourmet kitchen, spa bathrooms, you know, really finished it off really nicely. And whatever's going on around in the market of maybe a, a half a mile or less of sales, mm-hmm. now that property could be easily worth three hundred thousand because of because of not only the improvements that you made to the home to to uh, to increase the appraisal value, but mm-hmm. also because of what the market says Is that the, homes in that neighborhood mean. That's right. Cost Th- right have sold for truth like okay. what's sold. That's the only thing that they'll those are called comparables. Okay. So if your three bedroom one bath house is two hundred thousand. 
and other three-bedroom, one-bath houses are selling for $300,000, then you have an inherited amount of $100,000 in equity okay. in that property. And how does that equity serve me? That equity serves you either on two ways. You only have two exit strategies with property. So exit strategy is like how to get to the cash, mm-hmm. right? So your first way, you could refinance. Mm-hmm. Now, when you refinance, that only allows you 80% of the value. So now... That is 80% of 300,000, which is about what, 220? 80% of 300 is, two, is 240. 240, right. So now you may have cashed out 40,000. Okay. Or you could have consolidated that. Let's say you have the house that's 200. Let's say your student loans are 25,000, your autos 12. You can essentially refinance, pay off your student loan, pay off your auto loan, and get a new loan on the house and incorporate, incorporate all of that into one payment over 30 years. Got it. Now, what's the benefit of refinancing? Because I hear a lot of people do that, um, like you said, when it comes to bigger debts. Yeah, refinancing really is, it's like their credit card game. It's, it's what the stock market and what higher end people do all the time, mm-hmm. moving money to cheaper amount. So by refinancing, you may want to do, like I mentioned with um, Kay here, refinancing and consolidating debt. Now, instead of paying that car payment over five years, which is 300 it might come down to like 180 because you're wrapping it. Well, you're actually paying the whole auto loan off, but you're taking that debt into a different type of asset. And now it's being calculated over a 30 year period, which automatically reduces the payment. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you have an auto, 30 year rate, that's based on a 30 year okay. rate. I mean, you can get a 15 year rate. You can get a 30 year rate. Really, whatever payment is more comfortable for you. But the higher the year, the lower the rate. The, exactly. Okay. The low. Right. The longer term to pay it back the lower your monthly payment's going to be. Okay. Right. So that's one reason why some people refinance. Uh, Some other people refinance because maybe when they got in, their credit was just marginal Mm -hmm. to get in. So they may have a higher interest rate and they're like, okay, my credit's 700 now or it increased uh, dramatically. So now let me refinance to just get a lower rate, which would also yield a lower monthly payment. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Um... Uh, we always talk about growing up that like, you know, buying a home, owning a home is like part of the American dream. Yes. Um, and what do you think about that in terms of your experience, both on like the, on the professional end, being a person in real estate and also being a homeowner yourself? Right. Would you say that it's part of, of your dream as an American? Yeah, I would. I, well, the white picket fence is not for us. That's number one. <laughs> We're not the white picket fence people. Okay. We don't want to be around fences, pickets, any of that. Right. That's not, <laughs> that's not really where we are anymore as a mm-hmm, society. Mm-hmm. But what we what I will tell you is owning land, they're not making any more of it. And there's been there's wars going on hundreds of years because of land. Yeah. Right. So there's a value in having a piece of land, a piece of property. Now, whether it's a home or a multifamily, that's for you to decide. But I'm all about multifamily. If I'm going to have a 25 by 100 lot, I want to make sure that I have it at its highest and best use. I want it to be in a position to generate income for me. That's why I'm interested in, in buying. So, all right. So actually, that's a that's a natural progression to my next question about if you're going to if if you're going to enter into this. Uh, into this field of, 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 of real estate and home ownership mm-hmm. and kind of from a not just a business standpoint but whatever standpoint you want to go into it is single family versus multifamily like what are the pros and cons of each single family is not going to give you any return on your investment if you're going to live there right let's just talk about single family living there it feels cute it's nice but you lose one income or 
you lose all your income or a medical emergency happens or something, who's going to pick up that, right? No one, right? This is why 500 foreclosures in the city of Newark right now, Mm. because somebody lost an income, had to take care of a medical issue, X, Y, like multiple. There's so many things that go on and why people get behind. On an average, $400 is the reason why a lot of people are in eviction right now. And the reason why a lot of people are in foreclosure. Over $400. It's a $400, 300 to $400 shortage in the average household that causes people to to fall down that slippery slope. That's a small margin, right? That is. It is. So by owning a property with that's multiple income, for example, I had a client. They Googled me. He said he wanted to find out. He's from New York, Bronx. Grand Concourse at that, right? Mm-hmm. Comes to my workshop that I was doing. I did it workshops for like a year and a half at JFK. Came over, we became, you know, really cool. He's telling me he's really serious. We just closed on a property that he just bought off of Leo Place, right? It is a two-family with a bonus apartment. Mm-hmm. So it was legal two-family, but it has this bonus. He actually, we went to closing on it. It passed the city inspection on the first try. That's rare because usually there's always something that needs to get done. This house passed inspection. He also has two three-bedroom apartments and a two-bedroom apartment on the top. He's going to live at the top. He's going to rent out two apartments. He's getting paid $700 to live in his own property. He's getting paid to live there. That's his profit. So between the the, the properties making off both incomes from both floors that he's renting, um, that pays for his rent, his mortgage. That pays for the mortgage, the taxes, the insurance. And then he still nets... 700, 700 to live at his own property. Mm-hmm. And when we got the appraisal done, he bought the house for 260. When we got the appraisal done, the house is worth 300. So he bought a property with 40,000 in equity and he's getting paid $700 a month to live at his own house. This kind of makes sense for, kind of makes sense to me. But um what you're talking about seems more um like kind of a business venture, mm-hmm. right? And I've always thought of, you know, yeah, I you know you you grow up, you get a job, you mm-hmm. get a salary, you mm-hmm. buy a home, you start a family. Mm-hmm. Um, what you're talking about sounds very much for the person that's single, that doesn't have a family. That is just Not really. Kind of it sounds like known. it. No, that, he, he's a single father. It does sound like it to me, he is she's a, saying. But he's a single father, so mm-hmm. now, but he broke this generational curse in his family. <clears throat> his ta- he's ta- he, Now his son knows about dad owns a house, dad owns a property, right? He's moving a property into an LLC and he's making his son a partner. So now his son at the age of 14 already owns property. Do you see how powerful that is generationally? So to speak to your point about family, this is why the sooner you bet the you get in the better. Because who's going to pay for college tuition? Couldn't that 700 now that 700 profit that he's making. Let's say he does this again and moves, let's say he moves out. Now he can easily rent that for a lot more than him not paying any any rent or any mortgage, right? Anything to live there. Now he's increasing. He can essentially be getting $1,400 a month now. Let's just say he doubles on that $700. That's his college tuition right there. His son may never know what it's like to get a student loan. Right? So it's about leveraging assets. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what this really boils down to. Leveraging assets and using real estate as an asset to leverage. To take that burden of that 30-day hump of bills on your life and... How much more jobs can you work? I mean, I know adults right now that adults all day for 40 hours a week. Then they got to go part-time adulting, driving Uber. Then they got, and when are you going to be with your family? We need passive income as a community, as a society. We need passive income in our culture. And that's what this multifamily business is about. So I teach this 4-3-2-1 model. 
right now you can get an FHA loan, which is a, a loan that's backed by the Federal Housing Authority. And what they do, they allow you to borrow 97% of the value of the property. So you're putting 3% down. When you put 3% down, some of that money can be gifted, like the client that's getting the house, uh, that just closed on the house. Mm-hmm. He only pays $6,000 out of his own pocket. See, I got him $6,600 in grant money towards his closing cost. Then, then he also... Um, Oh, I'm so sorry, guys. Okay. So you got grant, wait, woman. grant money. So grant money meaning he got grant money plus the six thousand that he had saved up, or 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 the six thousand was his grant money. No, he in addition because his to, overall closing costs were like eighteen thousand or something like that. Mm-hmm. Sixty six hundred from grant. He took a he took money out of his four hundred one k, which was money that was just sitting there for the future anyway. He took money out of his four hundred one k, and then he only brought six thousand. People right now, I'm renting apartments where people need to bring forty five hundred dollars to move into an apartment. Mm, yeah, my friends trying to move in. They're six thousand dollars. Six thousand just to move into what, your own house, and he's gonna get his six thousand dollars back really in ten months, right? Because he's making seven hundred a month. So in ten months, he gets his sixty six hundred back or six thousand back. Nine or ten months, so it's a it's a mathematical science yeah. to it all. Now you can have a family and do it because he has three bedroom, one bath apartments too. So if you have a family, you can live in one of the three bedroom, and one bath apartments up, and, then rent, and rent the other one. He just doesn't need all that. Space. But now isn't so, he taking on the added expense of taking care of those properties? Well, yes, but you build that into your to your model, right? It's the same thing that if you have a car and you own a car straight out, you're taking on expense of oil change and tire rotations and all these other things too so it's any asset that you have there is a um, preservation or or uh, responsibility to maintain that asset it's upkeep so what you do is on a monthly basis you break down those monies or those profits so let's say he's making 700 he might put 200 away for rainy day money and that yeah so now if emergencies happen bam he's got money to do this he's got money to do that you know, there's a cycle that you're supposed to stay on. So you check the heating in the summertime and you check the air conditioning in the wintertime mm-hmm. because those two in- in- industries are on opposite sides of the coin, right? Mm-hmm. If you're checking your heater in the middle of the winter, prices are going to go up. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to make sure your gutters are staying clean. So once a year, whether you go up there or pay someone, like there's annual, quarterly, and monthly maintenance. If you stay on that schedule, your asset will be will be preserved for a very long time because then you're being efficient about how you're to being efficient but if you're an absentee landlord never there you don't live there you just have a property you let people take over you got the tenant hey hey, hey tenant uh i'm gonna give you 50 dollars off if you keep the hallways clean no you can't guarantee that you can't give those responsibilities to tenants because tenants don't think like owners do and that actually brings me to my point it's like what you're saying sounds like such a like a business like a business-minded approach mm-hmm. to Kind of living your life right mm-hmm. and me as a layperson it sounds so like businessy it sounds mm-hmm. so like complex right um did you all, all that you're talking about did you learn that through like your real estate like when you went to real estate school is this is what you've gathered in your experience being a real estate professional all these years yeah these, these are experience things because school they just teach you technical law and behaviors of mm-hmm. process but this is this is over the years we're talking about property management and Someone's going to do it, whether it's going to be you or you can always sub it out. I have people see this is quiet. Well, so technically 
you really don't want to be in a position where you live in the property and you're doing everything. You want to you want to be a ghost. You want to be just have everyone else think that you're just a tenant, too, because you don't want calls or door knocking on your door four o'clock in the morning because the toilet's backed up or this, that and the third. So the ideal place to be, the real key to all of this is is secrecy. So mm. you can hire a property management company to mm-hmm. do everything for you. I mean, I've lived at properties that I've owned, and they're like, yeah, the landlord didn't get back to us. And, and I'm like, oh, I'm sure. Just send them an email. I'm sure they'll get right back to you. And it's me the whole they time. They had no idea that it was no, you. because I had it in a corporate name and all these other things. Because I don't want people to know that what I own and how I own it. They don't. I could dig it. They don't mm-hmm. the people in the people in power so rose do um you're based here in newark right correct you're right here mm-hmm. what kind of programs are you aware of for people who are looking to purchase homes yeah right now in newark the city has a homestead program so those are pro those are properties that the city owns that they're giving first preference to residents to buy directly from the city Oh, yeah, because they're trying to redevelop certain areas. Like Correct. Like Clinton Hill, the Roseville area. There are a couple of like Correct. key areas that they're key trying areas. to areas. And the Homestead program allows a current Newarker to apply to purchase a city-owned property for the sake of you fixing it up and you're living there. This is not for profit. Not for investment. This is for, it could be a multifamily, but they're not doing it for you to flip it. Right, Either. they're doing it for you to become an anchor in the community. Yeah. Um, on another note, the city also has a five thousand dollar grant that they're offering towards the purchase of a property as well in the city. So, like, if you even if you buy a property that the city doesn't own, you could get five thousand dollars towards your closing costs with the grant. So you couple that with some lenders that I work with also have grants, and you know, as it adds up, that's what we talk about. Maybe ten thousand in grant right there. Then the state of New Jersey has um, home choice program where they're giving an extra $10,000 towards people that are looking to buy in certain areas. So now that's $20,000 in grant money. You could essentially be walking away from closing with a check. So what are some of the ways that we can normalize this this type of thinking? Because when my brother said it seems like business thinking, I'm like, Mm -hmm. it's just they go together. Like, because even if you're... Uh, um, a renter, you're still a business person exactly. because you're on the other side of it. Right. And if you don't, you know, rent something, then you don't have any. I mean, a renter needs a needs someone to own it, and an owner needs someone to rent it. Mm-hmm. So, what's more, like, how can you normalize this behavior to have people to think about it um, as just like a way of life? It's very simple. As a way of life, you know, right now the the big G word gentrification, the big big word of rents going up. You're only going to be on one side, like you mentioned. You're only going to be on one or two sides of it. You're going to be the tenant with the grievance. My rent keeps going up. My rent keeps going up. Or you're going to be on the other side capitalizing like, yeah, rents are keep going up. Rents keep up. I mean, you know, depending on what side are you on is going to predict your complaint. So to normalize that, instead of saying or rallying, stop it, stop it. No, go in a room, put some cash together, put some credit together, and now you be the one that owns it. So if they want to come buy it, they got to pay your price. If they want to come live there, they got to pay your rent. That's the real power. We can complain about it happening all day, or we can get in and be a part of it. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like a way to normalize it. Like, it's going to come anyway. Why not just be a part of it? You have nothing to lose. So one thing that I'm hearing, right, is um, I get that there are programs out there. I get that the way you're making, the, the way that you are posing the um, these scenarios seems like home ownership is very attainable right mm-hmm. but let's let's kind of um think about like some lay people right so i want to use my example i'll use me as an example 
um, you know, I have a, I have a, a decent salary. Mm-hmm. Also, I have a lot of debt. Mm-hmm. I have student loan debt. I have credit card debt, and I do have some discretionary income, right? So if I'm looking to, if I'm looking to prioritize paying down my debt versus buying a home versus um, being careful about my discretionary income. What like I how do I do all that? Mm-hmm. Like how am I looking at my at my priorities of like my real life bills versus mm-hmm. my aspirations of mm-hmm. making my money work for me? Um, kind of I ha- I'm having challenges thinking about how do I dig myself out of the debt that I'm in in order to enter into a more productive kind of debt? Right, right, and that's a that is a very reoccurring natural thought process. Mm-hmm. And what I suggest to persons that are in that space. The only person that's going to give you the money is the mortgage company. Mm -hmm. So that's where this conversation should be had with the person that's lending you the money. They're going to do forensics on your credit. They're going to take a look at your bank statements. They're going to take a look at your um, cash flow, your your income. Mm -hmm. And they're going to say, look, target this for you, right? Because it's a uh, prescription per person. Yeah, right. So for you, they're going to say, guess what? If you can eliminate this credit card here and you can save this much money this over the next x y and z time frame i could take care of you Mm -hmm. so having so the beauty is that all banks want to write loans so they're going to give you the formula to win whether now whether you follow up with it or do it or or even get the mortgage they're going to give you the roadmap to getting to a point of purchasing power the bank will the bank will because they want to write the loan they're in the business to lend money so they're going to tell you right exactly what you need to do to get in a position for them to lend you the money so that's a good way to start with navigating through good debt, bad debt, payments, this, that, that. Because we all have one payment that we're more than likely not going to get rid of, and that is housing bills. It's going to be there. So it's going to be there. That is a perpetual thing. So by having a multifamily, you can see how you can somewhat eliminate it mm-hmm. for a temporary period of time, right? Or an indefinite period of time, right? Because if you constantly have investment properties... So my four, three, two, one, really quick, you get a four family, you get a three family, you get a two family, then you get a one family. That's really my suggestion on sustaining a lifestyle that is perfect in so, a way. So in your four, three, two, one model, then your first property that you that you invest in is a four family. Mm-hmm. And then you, you sell that? that settled. You hold that, you refinance off of that, then you go get another mortgage on... But a do three keep, family. Do you keep, both? you keep the four you family. Keep that. Yeah. Mm. So in essence, in the end, you have four properties. Correct. A four family, a three family, a two family, and then you live in the one family. Correct. Yes. So now you have seven loan, seven rents coming in. We didn't even ask what you did for a living. You got right. seven rental incomes. Seven, right? Because you have the the four family nine. I'm sorry, nine. Because you have the four family. That's four. Then you have three. Oh yeah. Then you have the two family. So that's nine, nine pieces of income or nine. Let's just call them a thousand dollars, nine thousand dollars coming in. So in the land of re- in the land of like practicality, right? Mm-hmm. How long would it take one to execute this plan? Maybe five years. Five years mm-hmm. is attainable. If you do a property a year. But how do you make sure that you have people in those properties, though? Well, that's where it comes to having a right team. Because I didn't get here by myself. You're not going to get far by yourself, vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. So having a right team, the appropriate lender, the proper home inspection guy, property manager, an agent a real estate attorney, all of these things. So one of the keys to having good tenants, and I'll touch on this really quick, the worst thing in the world is to have a a, a desperate landlord with a vacant place and then a desperate tenant that needs to move in right away. Mm -hmm. 
that is a recipe for disaster, yeah, right? Yeah. So this is why eviction court, 700 people in eviction court right now. You know, this is because people are making quick, fast decisions. Now, I give this example time and time again. If you're getting a job at a Fortune 500 company, they interview you more than one time, right or wrong. Yeah, usually yeah. have a, and at least you, two interviews. And it's usually not the same person, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Because what they do, they don't know you. They're not worried about if you qualify. Oh, they have thousands and thousands of Indeed's resumes that say they have the credential to get that job. They're interviewing you more than one time because they want to know if you fit in the co- corporate culture. So as you're interviewing tenants, you want to make sure that they fit in your property culture. That's right. Yeah. That's what... That's what people overlook. They're so black and white about credit. Credit tells you habit. Credit doesn't tell you character. Yes. Okay. So these are the things that I teach people that are owning properties. Like, listen, if you're going to self-manage, then you should have a standard operating procedure. Yes, you should tell in your manual, you should tell people how often to clean the tub. You should tell people how the stove works. Wash out the fridge every once a week. You have to set a standard of excellence because you can't assume that everybody knows how to take care of an apartment. Yeah, so true. This is real stuff. I mean, people learn, unfortunately and fortunately, a lot of people learn by what they were taught, conditioning, yeah. what they saw. So if they grew up in poverty, they're going to just emulate poverty. And they might even not, not might not even be in a perverse situation on paper. But because they've only seen X behavior, they're going to keep doing that. So if you have a woman that cooks and she doesn't wipe down the stove after she cooks, that might not be because she's lazy. That might be one part. But that might be just all she knows. Right. She doesn't know these care and maintenance things. So Mm -hmm. I tell people that are having investment properties, make sure you have someone interview them first before you. Mm -hmm. Then maybe you interview them next or someone else. And then you can have a dialogue about their character without them being there. Because now you saw something. I saw something. And we're like, no, Kay ain't going for that. Like, look, they were the way that they were doing. That's not his culture. That's not the culture that he wants in his buildings. Yeah. We can have that. It's the same because it is a multi five, fortune. Five, I said fortune 500 interviews you twice. Isn't your investment property? Isn't your money, your business, I mean, a fortune yeah. 500 business too? Yeah. So interviewing people twice and then also setting a standard of excellence when you're interviewing them helps because the ones that want to play the game of eviction or trying to get over they're gonna wash themselves out yeah, yeah. they're like you know what we <laughs> can't get that <laughs> we can't get that over they said yeah. direct deposit wait a second <laughs> they don't know the way my money's set up yeah. you know so you put keywords out there that that either are going to attract the right person or detract the wrong person so you talked about um what you teach mm-hmm. so talk i want to know more about these workshops that you do and kind yeah of what because you're because because the amount of gems that you're dropping in this show right now i'm gonna like re-listen over and over again mm-hmm. so i can like digest it all but there's you clearly have a wealth of information that you have in that beautiful head of yours Aww. so talk to us about the workshops that you do and kind of how you get these messages out to the people yeah so i had a workshop this morning it, was, it went very well you know, and it's just people from all walks of life, mm-hmm. all over. Like, one of my biggest success success stories is that this guy from Oregon, he was trying to get a Newark market. I must be hot on Google or something, because oh. these people Google my name, and they're like, Rose Mosley, real estate, Newark, da da da. So the guy flew in from Oregon, Portland, Oregon, mm-hmm. came to my class. We've been connecting ever since. And he actually closed on a three-family here in Newark. I got my lead contractor on his site. I was walking it yesterday. 
And he's like all in love. He's like, I introduced him to my attorney. I introduced him to my lead contractor. He's just like, I, I gave him the full, well-rounded, insulated package because if you're taking a plane to be in my class, I need to treat you like That's first right. class, yeah. like straight up. So the classes are just designed. Okay, so I have two things. I do classes which have structured curriculum. Mm -hmm. So millionaire mindset might be one. Um, the co construction process might be another. The legal process might be another. Um, renting, property management, another. And these curriculums, are they all like kind of multi, like, are they all like multi-session classes? Or is it like uh, a one-time course? It's a, it's, it's a series of 18. Mm -hmm. So I, I, once I finish out and cycle out 18 Saturdays, then I just repeat and then start from the art of real estate. You know, okay. we work our way up. So that's those are the classes. And then today was actually a workshop. So if you come out to a workshop, we talk about what you're here for. So I write down on the board what you're here for. So you might be how to find deals. You might be the foreclosure process. You might be. So everyone's sitting in, having their own little what they came for, and I knock it out. You just tailor it I just, to. I just, okay, so now this, I'll circle the things that are about to touch all in one, like like-minded topics. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'll circle them all, and I'm like, okay, so everybody pay attention. And then I'll go in on that, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. So that's how the, today went. And then sometimes information overlaps. So I'm like, oh, we just covered risk. Because they were like, this one guy's like, well, tell me, can you legally and legal? And I'm like, okay, the first rule I always write up, my attorney tells me to write, I am not an attorney. I know that's <laughs> you know? right. <laughs> so I write that on the board, like, first and foremost. And then I also write that point number two, do your homework. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're going to hear what I'm saying. And although, you know, it might sound good, whatever, and you might get it today, but do your homework. I tell them, Reganomics, the one thing from Reganomics, trust but verify. Yeah, right? Trust yeah. but verify. Even with me. Because mm -hmm. I don't want to be on the hook where you're like, she said and Rose said. No, Rose said it, but also, did you read the fine print where she said, do your homework? Did you read yeah. the fine print where she said, she's not an attorney? Mm -hmm. So I can only take you and give you but so much. But anywho, so people come to the class and then they just shout out or tell me what they're here for. And I just knock it out. Those mm -hmm. are workshops. Now, what about the people who are, um, you know, like Katab said earlier, it's a part of the, Ameri uh, the American mm -hmm. dream, but they're also a little afraid of getting into that because of the horror stories that they've heard. You know, some folks feel like it's just easier to rent mm -hmm. because they don't have to deal with some of the risk that are involved in buying that a whole property. subprime it, mortgage crisis. No, that there is. That, that's, that's a very natural, natural thing. But I want people to understand that the government also had an initiative called redlining. Where, oh, yeah. where it was a governmental initiative to not lend to us, yeah. right? Yeah. And if they did, it was predatory. It was at high interest rates, longer terms. It was just terrible, right? You like Chicago. Yeah, so so all I say is don't have fear now because people, our people did a lot more with a lot less, Yeah. right? So with all the information that we have access to now, with all the knowledge, with all the history that we can go back and look into and say, okay, this is what happened, this is what happened, ba 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 ba. They're still doing uh, predatory lending and, and steering us away from our own communities, you know? Mm -hmm. So I say that to say, you have to, there's a calculator that you can Google, rent versus buying. Mm -hmm. And you put in your rental and you put in your, the you know, and then they'll show you like, well, based on your income or credits and such, you're probably best renting. You're probably better buying. Now the mentality you have to be there too, because this is very mature business because you are responsible for other things. I was uh, 21 and my tenant was like 43 and I'm all like young and stringy, <laughs> like where to rent. Right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Yeah. So it, yeah, it, there, but 
there, but I didn't have, I was so young, I, there was no fear. You understand? Like, yeah. I was just young. So that's why I'm really kind of talking to also the millennials. Like, mm-hmm. millennials are super innovative. They, they, they create market trends. They're cr- setting the path and creating a way right now where even developers are building to cater to millennials yeah. for rental. You know what? It's so funny that you say that because I always imagine my first property being one that I don't live in. Mm-hmm. Because my, my setup is so perfect right now mm-hmm. and it's convenient for me. I would rather have a property that's generating income right. and look at it as more of a entrepreneurial endeavor as opposed to like living in my property and putting all my money into that. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's totally fine too. You don't have to live there per se. But some of the grant money, some of the lower down payments will require you to live there. Sometimes just for 12 months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you're an adult, you do what you want to do. Right. Right? Um, so got you. Message, message taken. Hello. <laughs> right. But at the end of the day, if they're going to give you money right now, the grant money, I work with MT Bank. The gentleman was able to get 6600 because MT Bank acquired another bank that was not lending to our community. They got sanctioned $25 million in money. As a as a per, as a penalty, mm-hmm. and MT Bank has been a trustee to make sure that those monies go right back to helping us buy in our own community. Wow! So they're still doing unscrupulous behavior with these lending companies. Mm-hmm. So we know this; it doesn't hurt. Like you mentioned, go buy multifamily. That doesn't mean you you have to live there, but you may not want to live there. So just find out what those bare bones requirements are. But having that passive income. Remember, I said the four, three, two, one. That's nine thousand dollars in income. Yes, it's going to have some expenses on it. You know, we talk mortgage, taxes, insurance, whatever. But even if your net profit is three thousand dollars a month, you don't have to go. You don't have to go anywhere to get that. Yeah, that's a that's people's that, salary. Remember, <laughs> I told you that the difference is. Um, remember, I mentioned to you the reason why a lot of people are behind right now is four hundred, three, four hundred dollars. Yeah, but we're talking about. I just, I just found. Um, $3,000 for you where you could get it from over mm. the next five years. Mm-hmm. So you never have to be in that position. Additionally, as rents go up and get crazy, let's say you live in rent now, you can always skip that place out and you always have somewhere to go yeah. Yeah. to your own property. Yeah. yeah. So it has a multitude of benefits beyond the responsibility. It is it is grown-up work. It is yeah, like, clearly. you know, I, I don't like to adult all the time. I'm going to be honest with you. But because I know that this having this lifestyle gives me freedom of time Mm -hmm. so like if i wanted to go on vacation for a month i'm not stressing going on vacation for a month if i if my friends are like oh we're going to paris this weekend i just leave like i don't have to check in with anybody i don't Mm -hmm. have to ask job or you know or check bills or anything like that you know it's just kind of like get having these this passive income does give you freedom to life and I think if I got to be an adult just for a little bit to have that on the other side, then so mm. be it. Yeah. You know, so that's the that's the key that I want to get to. Yes, you got to put a button-up shirt on sometimes. Yes, you have to wear tailored pants and maybe throw on a suit jacket and that get actually, to the business. That actually excites me. You know, <laughs> but look, if you look at it like a necessary evil, like how you went to college for some that went to yeah. college. You had yeah. to go to college. It did, you were like, where am I going to use the Pythagorean theorem, theorem? Like, I don't even use that. I went to school for finance. I've never used the Pythagorean theorem in my entire career. Totally. But I had to sit through class and appease the situ- the, the system, right? Yeah. And you know, it, 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 that's what I, that's all I'm speaking to. So yeah, it might seem foreign. It's it is scary because it's probably the largest financial decision that you'll make at one time. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it, how many Jordans do you own? How many bundles do you buy? 
How many times do you go out to eat? How much do you pay in tickets? I know people that are just like chronic parking ticket pay people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's other ways that we're, how do you say, burning money. But you know, you know what? The thing I, is, though, those things come with an instant verification of you have them now. When mm-hmm. it comes to homeownership, it sounds like some of the benefits are more down the line. And I know that's not appeasing to a lot of people. Like like those credit, um, those credits that you get for taxes, like that's mm-hmm. fine for next year. But for right now, all I see is money coming out of my pocket right. to go into this place. That's well, that's if you don't have income. that's if you don't have a multi. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about people who have one. They, they buy a home and they want to live there. A and single family. Yes. Right. That's why Remember I don't promote that. that. Remember she said that before. I tell clients right now, if you want to come and buy a single family through me, unless you're buying a single family to rent it out, there's Wiker. Go somewhere else. I am not going to set you up for failure. That's not I don't take on that responsibility. You come to me, you want to buy a multifamily. Like the gentleman that's moving from New York, he's moving in this weekend, as a matter of fact. As soon as he gets the tenants in there, he immediately is going to get that $700 a month. If you're paying $1,800 right now, and you turned it into profits of $700 a month, that's an instant feeling every month. Let's just say you move into a property and your one tenant pays the whole mortgage and you don't get a profit, but you don't have to pay a bill either. So wait. That's, that's an instant gratification if listen, you ask me. So are you saying that people just basically have the American dream backwards? That is correct. It's not for <laughs> yes, us. That's so true. It's not for us. Right. It's not about single family ownership. Right. The suburbs were created to get away from us. Mm. So we want to run to the suburbs. Mm -hmm. But they owned all the buildings in the suburbs. So they just took (laughs) our rent to go buy a single family. Because we lived in we lived in the hood, but we didn't own the hood. Yeah. And we just paid them and gave them the opportunity to buy and live in the suburbs off of our back. I never re- I never thought of it like that. That's exactly they what own, it is. They own the properties here, then they move their families out to the suburbs while they still had that income coming in. That from is us right. Here. We are paying their bills. Section eight <laughs> is funding half of Montclair right now. Don't get it. Don't you get know, it twisted. Yeah. <laughs> like let's be real, okay? It's all about cash flow. Where did the dollar start and where does it end, right? Rose, I can go on forever. Yep, I really, yep, I really yep. want to know more about how can one um how can one engage, how can one get um, with your workshops and learn from you. Yeah, so it's uh, Newark, uh, actually New Jersey real estate investors on Meetup. I have about 2,200 people following me in that group alone. What meet is it again? Meetup is a group. Yeah, oh, meetup.com. Meetup.com is an yeah. app. And people just follow me on that, and it's called New Jersey Real Estate Investors University. New okay. Jersey Real Estate Investors University. It's a long write, write that down. New Jersey Real Estate Investors University on Meetup is how we can get with. And Rose it has mostly. my whole schedule. Oh, nice. Of calendars, things out. My next. And you do charge for these workshops, right? Yeah, I did them for free for a while, but I was having. I actually get more participation with charging, believe it or not. I get it because people value what you. Because if you pay, you value it more. Yeah, I totally get which that. Is, which is which is fine, but it's only twenty bucks. Please, it's under charging. I just knew I was gonna have to sink in a couple thousand dollars. Listen, to deal with this now. I'm working towards that because I just told my class today. I'm like, look, I'm doing this for twenty bucks just because I want people to come invest in. But now my closing ratio, like. Every, anyone that comes to my class, I, I guess like three out of the three that come, they go to closing. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've already gotten them properties and they already moved in, all cozy, different things like that. The way my gears are turning right I'm now. I'm ready. I'm ready. Like, so wow. my next big event is April the 6th, 9.30 a.m. The door is open. We're meeting at 456 Washington Street at Washington and West Kenny, right downtown Newark. It is a real estate tour. And we're going to go actually walk live deals, 
that are for sale from straight gut rehabs to p- properties that are almost on, on the tail end of being finished. Mm-hmm. I have my real estate attorney coming out to talk, home inspector telling you what to look for, hard money guy going, we would loan you money on this, construction guy going, all you got to do is this, and really putting you in the property right there, immersive, so you can immersive. see. So you bring your fears, bring your cares, your scary thoughts and your concerns because there's going to be the whole team there all day, well, not all day from... Doors open at 9.30. We leave at 10. We'll be circling back uh, like around 1 o'clock. But having the professionals there, now it's not just all me. It's everyone. The whole team team. giving you the information. And then you're in a room with other people that are scared just like you. And then people that have just got over their fears. So I think bringing everyone together, people learning from each other is more valuable sometimes than me saying it. Because you're going to talk to a guy who's going to be like, I was like you a year ago. And then when I did it, and then I used to think like that. Mm-hmm. And hearing that enough times, you're like, you up. I can do this. Yeah, I can do this. So that's that's April the 6th at Doors Open at 930. It's 30 bucks. I mean, Nothing. I spend that on, spend I spend that on two cocktails. That's, two co- that's literally two cocktails. <laughs> right. yeah. Two cocktails. Thank you so exactly. much. I learned a lot. Exactly. So, so, Rose, it's been a pleasure to have you on our show. I've learned so much from you in our yeah. short time together. And I think the main takeaway is that homeownership isn't as unattainable as we make it out to be. Mm-hmm. So thank you for the tools that you've given us. Um, so please stay with us. Yes, I'm going to stay. While we talk some shit. All right. <laughs> thank you guys so much. This is the time for Kamar and me and our special guest Rose to air out the shit that grinds <laughs> our gears. Oh, I love it. So I'm going to start with talking shit about people who, when they're eating cereal... They put in the milk first, and then they add the cereal. Oh, I've never seen that. I was having a, I was out with some friends yesterday, and we're judging people, each other, of course, because that's what I do. <laughs> and was talking about that, and my friend was like, so I put in the milk first, and then the cereal. I was like, that sounds so weird. Like, Mm-mm. what the fuck does that? Mm-mm. But I have to say, although I'm talking shit about, about people who do that, it makes sense. Why? The reason why people do that is when you put the milk in first and then you add in the cereal, then you decrease the time of the cereal getting soggy. And then all the cereal on top (laughs) stays nice and dry and crunchy so that as you're eating the cereal, more of the cereal stays crunchy. (laughs) (laughs) The little things, right? It still seems a little backwards, but I get it. I get it, but I still, you know, I'm still going to hold on to my judging because it's it's supposed to be you putting your cereal first. Right. Then if you do milk, you do a little bit of milk. Right. Because you could always add more milk if you need it at the end. I don't. I don't know. I don't I'm like with the you. pre-measuring part. I don't even. I'm with you. I don't even eat cereal milk though. I can't even really talk shit about it. Yeah. I don't even do it. I, I have but to say. But there's a process, it and is a you're process. saying respect the process. Respect the process. Right. That's the same thing. The same thing, kind of on that same line as if you make a sandwich and you don't put the condiment on the bread first, mm-hmm. then you should be judged harshly. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I agree. If you're not spreading my mustard on my bread first, yes. Right. It has to Don't be, just put it on top. The order of Respect sandwich making the sandwich. is condiment on the bread, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then the cheese, mm-hmm. then the meat, mm-hmm. then lettuce and tomatoes. Right. That's how you make a sandwich. Right. And it's the you, only way. And you better not put the condiment on the cheese. You better not. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, thank you. Or don't put my lettuce on my cheese. Like, don't put the lettuce no, next to the cheese. you can't. It has to be near the meat. <laughs> oh, wait. You do cheese, meat, 
lettuce, tomato. Right. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. yes. Don't yes. put I agree. bread, I agree. cheese, lettuce, Ooh, meat. No. 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 That's no. weird. That is so weird. I'm with you. See, I'm, I'm a processed person. I'm with you. Okay. I'm, I'm, even, I'm gonna keep the theme going. All right. Please wash your hands frequently, people. Okay. <laughs> what? That's just. I. <laughs> Especially if you're making people sandwiches. Oh, gloves. I mean, neoprene. General, Put some neoprene gloves on. <laughs> just in general, like, you don't understand how many times I see people rush out of the bathroom. Mm-mm. Oh, my God. No. And you don't hear no water running. Men and women, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't know about the women. But oh, the I'm women probably, are the worst. Nasty bitches. And like, women are the worst. Yes. And I understand when it it's comes like, to... It's like, I didn't even hear the, the, the toilet paper go around. Nasty. You know, you, you think it all the way back. Now you're like, did I hear... I didn't even know anybody was in the stall. I know I didn't hear any paper roll around on the on the Ew. roller. And you e- ran out. Even at, oh. e- and even <laughs> in my personal life, I know people that have done this. And now sometimes when you're at home, especially if you're a fella, you you just like you know you'll take a leak and then you just go ahead about your business because you're like I'm not gonna be touching anything. It's I'm my guilty house. of that at night especially. But if you do number two, oh my god, and you don't wash your hands, you're just a nasty bitch. You're just a nasty I have, bastard. I know people who do that on a regular yeah, basis really? and they're disgusting. Unfriend them immediately. They are disgusting. <laughs> Listen, now, when I when I at the same time I was out last night with the same friends, the bathroom. I went to the bathroom and they had the sign in there which was so cute. It said, "Employees must wash hands." Customers optional, but recommended. <laughs> I know that's right. I like that. that I've never seen the sign that like that. that no, that's hard. you know that's awareness because you go places and it's like employees must wash hands, and then people are like, oh well, I don't have to. I don't work here. Right, but you're touching everything. Right, yeah, come on, don't right. be nasty. What else you want to talk shit about? I don't know. You got to go. I have one more though, and it's kind of serious. It's with this gun thing again because <sighs> let me tell you why. New Zealand had like one bad massacre and they're already talking about banning assault rifles. You know what? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. They they I need I understand it's a money making process and there's a lot of revenue coming from that, but why would you need a gun that has that type of manpower behind it? Because the constitution it? says that I could have one and it's part it's part of my right as an American. I'm, I'm like how many lives do we have to lose? Yeah, and um, and that's why, like at the top of the show, I didn't really have much to say because I haven't thought about it since then. Yeah, and then I went back. Okay, what did I do this week? And then like I started replaying everything. Yeah, and I'm like, oh shit, you know, because you have to kind of um, absorb things and, and then let it go. You can't yeah. let things like mm-hmm. bother you like that. Mm-hmm. But as I'm replaying my week, I'm like, I really just saw this man shoot people as they're as they're trying to defend themselves and all that stuff, and you're just like going crazy with mm-hmm. this gun. And yet, we still don't have legislation to ban that. And the thing is, we probably won't anytime soon because the NRA is so powerful, mm-hmm. and they give so much money to so many politicians mm-hmm. to make to keep themselves powerful right. that the idea of changing the gun laws in any substantive way sounds like it's just not going to ever happen. Well, if if despite all the massacres we've had in this country mm-hmm. by white people, right? But if white on white crime spiked up tremendously. You better believe that would start changing. Look at with the opioid crisis. Now that there's people. That's my point. As things begin to harm, as things begin to become a crisis amongst them, Mm -hmm. then that brings awareness. But as long as we're still killing ourselves and killing each other and our with locally and you know black and brown people, they're just like, why would we want to? They're they're helping us out. Why would we want to censor the laws? But until it becomes like white on white crime or black on white crimes where the, the where the victims are caucasian or asian or jewish 
until that changes, then yeah. I'm, I don't yeah. even think it's about, um, well, it's definitely about race, but at the end of the day, it's about people who make decisions versus those who kind of just accept whatever happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's why I asked you that question earlier about how do you normalize this business mindset? Mm-hmm. Because either way, you're going to be impacted by it, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, folks, you just have to think like everything is about business at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Even though we're talking about lives being lost, it's really about dollars and cents. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. I think with this conversation that, we, that we've had today, it left me um, just really thinking about, yo, it's a business. Yeah. Living in your house is a business. Mm-hmm. Driving your car, it's a business, you know? And why just be on the consumer end of that? You gotta be on both sides. I have to add some levity. So I'm gonna talk shit about Kamar because my favorite person talks shit Again? about. Again? <laughs> Again? I just wanna say I love you. <gasps> That's love really you. it. I love you, little brother. I love my big brother. That's I was it. ready for the worst. No, not today. <laughs> I'm clutching my pearls like, uh oh, <laughs> what happened? Sometimes I go in on him. He does. <laughs> All not today. Not and today. I always give him a lot of material too. That's so. good. Yes, you do. All right. I love you too. So that's our time together. We hope to not only have entertained you, but that we provided you with some new or different perspective about the various topics we discuss. Join the conversation and share your thoughts on today's topic. Yes, and please look us up on Facebook and Instagram, and of course, theheathensguide.com. On Facebook, just give us a search for The Heathens Guide to Life. And on Instagram, it's at Heathens Guide, no apostrophe S. Again, yes, go to our website, theheathensguide.com, and sign up for the mailing list. Check out the archives of all of our shows and buy some heathen merchandise. Mm -hmm. Look us up on Mixcloud, Soundcloud, iTunes, and Stitcher, and subscribe. Leave a comment and share with your friends. Thank you again, Rose, for joining us on our show today. We can't wait to engage with you more. Right, Rose and her rosebuds. Tune in next week for another episode of The Heathen's Guide to Life. And Google rosebuds for fun. (laughs) Oh my God, bye. (laughs)